0: Uh, so, most of you, I think, know how Christy and I got to Union Lake. Yeah. I think we're newer than everybody else in here. Um, so, two, three years ago, you guys were looking for a part-time youth resident intern kind of guy. Um, I don't exactly know if there was a job description or what it said. Um, we could serve the church, get some hands on training, and um, one of my buddies sent me a link to the the job posting. It's like, hey, you should check this out. It's in Michigan. You're from Michigan. Like, it's a big state, but whatever. And so I'm like, you know what? It's not exactly what I want, but I'll do my due diligence. I'll check it out. So I shoot off my resume to Jaffin in May 2017, which seems like it shouldn't be that long ago, but it kind of is. We talk on the phone. I'm like, man, that sounds like a great church, but it's not for me. Like, if I have any friends that are in a better stage of life for this, I'll, I'll tell them about it. It seems like a good thing to do, but it, it, I'm, I'm not your right guy, and we ended it there. Um, it was a part-time, two-year kind of residency. Then we'll see what happens. Uh, Stumbo's offered up their basement for the person to live, and like that, it's just not going to fit for me. Uh, so a couple weeks later, I'm interviewing for a senior pastor position in northern Kentucky, not northern, West, northeastern Kentucky, northern Kentucky, Cincinnati, my wife would tell you, but anything on the northern border, I would say is northern Kentucky. Um, the search team unanimously affirms me. They want me to come back, preach the next Sunday. The church is going to vote me in. Um, so before I respond to that email, I get one from Jeff that says, You may think this is crazy, but I felt led to reach out to you and see if anything had changed for you and your wife. I've received a number of resumes for a pastoral residency program, but yours continues to come back around in my mind. If you haven't already solidified plans for your future, is there any chance you'd want to come up here for a visit and take another look at the opportunity here? So I'm trying to get Jeff off my back, which we all know is more difficult than you might imagine. Lots of laughs from this side front row. I'm not sure why they might know what I'm talking about. And I send this long reply saying, "Look, I'm 28. I'm married. Like I'm done with a master's program. Part time, temporary is not really gonna work with my stage of life." Um, you know, one of Christy and I's big desires for the next few years is to have kids, to find a church, to plug in, to settle down, buy a house, and just, like, be there for the long haul. And in, in a residency program, it sounds like we wouldn't really be able to pursue our goals as a family and the goals of the ministry together with it being temporary, um, whatnot. So we'd have to kind of pause what we want to do as a family and settling in, starting a family, you know, being somewhere permanently and the residency until kind of that two years is over and we see, hey, is this going to work out long term or not? So that's Monday. By Wednesday, Jeff's making reservations for us to be up here after work on Friday. Um, I tell the other church, hey, you got to give me a week because I'm going to interview in Michigan for a job that doesn't actually exist yet. Um, And for some reason, I'm going to check it out, see what happens, and I'll get back to you in a week from now if I want to continue forward with you guys so Friday after work we drive up we spend the re- weekend with McKeever's and the Diffendurfers and Messinos and others we attend church secretly on Sunday except that Brian's a really good conversationalist it's like oh so how do you know the McKeever's I'm like it's cool just chill out a little bit we're not supposed to answer any questions just we're friends it's it's good we them. <laughs> um, um We have more dinners with various people, interview with the elders, all that. We drive home on Monday morning, and Christy and I are in the car just talking. It's like, all right, what do we do? We're praying. We're calling everybody that we know, asking for advice. Um, Jeff said he'd call me tomorrow. So we need a plan, right? So by the time we reach Louisville, I guess, maybe somewhere in Ohio. I'd hate to say the decision was made in Ohio. Hopefully, we were past the line and we were in Kentucky by this time. I'm like, if they create the job, I think we can live on X amount of dollars. So, if they offer it and it's that or more or around there, I'll say yes. If not, like we explored, we did our diligence, and we'll keep going with Kentucky and see how that plays out. That's our decision. And so the elders have a lunch on Tuesday, I assume, because on Tuesday afternoon I found all of these texts I had to Chrissy. 2.05 p.m., surely lunch is over, right? 2.06 p.m., you should call the church and be like, hey, is Jeff available? And if they transfer you, that means he's back and he's avoiding me. But if he's not available, then you know like lunch is still going on and they're still talking. 2.37 Maybe they hate me, Chrissy. They don't hate you. Maybe they can't hire you right now, but they don't hate you. 3.16 p.m. Would it be wrong to text so dot 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 question mark? (laughs) Which just shows, you know, my victory over anxiety and self-confidence and all those things. Never an issue for me four o'clock p.m. I need to get this call from to Kentucky done. Like, I, I really wanted Jeff to call me first so I know what to tell him. And then about 4.30, I finally get the email that says, hey, thanks for coming up. You're wonderful, but we can't do this right now. Like, having the elders decide this isn't the best idea. We need to put it in front of the church. They need to hear you teach. Everybody needs to meet you. We need to get more people involved. We need to uh, basically, we shouldn't rush into a big decision like this. So we'll bring you back up, let everyone meet you, so on and so forth. And so I call the Kentucky Church, and I'm like, hey, really sorry about this. Something else popped up, and I think I need to go down that path instead. So Chrissy and I wait and see you know, what's going to happen at Union Lake. We wait. We trust the Lord. We put our other resumes and interviews I have scheduled on hold hold and eventually you know here we are and so the question that i want to ask the reason i tell that whole story is this was waiting for a job that didn't exist at ulbc to come open so i could follow god's call to michigan and become pastoral assistant or whatever i am here is that an act of faith if we had a modern day union lake centric hebrews 11 right if somehow I made it in there, would there be a verse or two that says, by faith, Dan and Chrissy left Kentucky and moved to Michigan for a job that they didn't know anything about. They waited for it to be created out of nothing, you know, picking up early language in Hebrews 11, because it was currently unseen. They followed God's call to this church by faith. And I have a feeling, you know, most Christians would be like, yeah, yeah, that sounds like faith to me. You know, you didn't know what's going to happen, so you just had faith and went on with it. But I want to argue this morning that that's not the kind of faith that Hebrews 11 and the book of Hebrews is talking about. It's not the kind of faith that the Bible commands and commends in Christians. Of course, my answer has to be more nuanced than that, but we're just in the introduction, but we'll get there. So last week we looked at what faith is. We need to know that, of course, because Hebrews 10 says faith is the hallmark of the people of God. So I made this case that um, no one can actually see this, that faith is the confident assurance in God based on his promises, which would be his word. I didn't define promises broad enough. That includes commands, his warnings, things so that everything God says are included in his promises. That seeks the promise good. We know God has good for his people, so we seek it by following his promises, the things that he says. If you missed that lesson, all of our sermons, Sunday school lessons, women's Bible studies, they're all on the website, Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, like and subscribe. Um, Now that we've come to a working definition of faith, then we have to ask, okay, so if this is what faith is, what does faith do? And uh, today I want to argue that faith acts on God's word regardless of the circumstances or the outcome of that action you know in this chapter we have a lot of people doing things by faith you know I I kind of outlined them categorized them on Monday I had nine points of what faith does by Wednesday I chopped it down to three on Thursday I had it down to one point (coughs) by Sunday I might have no point whatsoever so I'm going to get in and read this text and then we'll, we'll uh, get to studying it. But let me um, just remind you, faith acts on God's word regardless of the circumstances and the outcome. That way, as we read it, you can kind of check me and see if we're going down the right path. So Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 40. Last week, it took seven minutes. So it's a long text. It's a really good, rich, full text. Though, so let me read this for us. In reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that was to be received as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand of the seashore. These all died in faith By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked a future blessing on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They should not be made perfect. So again, from this text, I want to argue that faith acts on God's word, regardless of the circumstances or the outcome. I need to prove this from the chapter, of course, otherwise, you know, this lesson is just my soapbox that I'm... Yabbering on about. So when it, when it comes to proving that faith acts on God's word, there's really four obvious choices of who we should use to kind of prove this point in, in chapter 11. There's Noah in verse seven that's pretty clear. <laughs> Abraham in verse 17, Moses' parents in verse 23, and the Israelites in verses 29 and 30. I mean, all of them kind of prove this point, but those are really explicit. You can argue it very easily. For the sake of time, we're just going to look at the first two, because I want to spend a lot of time in application and kind of working towards how we apply this acting on faith. So let's let's just quickly look at Noah, right? So look at verse 7 with With me. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So we're talking about Genesis 6 here is the story of Noah in the Old Testament. The earth was filled with evil and corruption. And God told Noah he was going to destroy the earth with a flood but save Noah and his family. Therefore, Noah, even though it's never flooded before, you know, go and build an ark. Noah's never seen a flood. Noah's probably never seen an ark. Definitely never an ark that contained all the animals that he needed to save. He'd never seen mass destruction and mass judgment on God's part. He's just seen the, the the long-suffering mercy of God. But God told him to do something, and despite the circumstances and what the outcome of his actions might be, Noah went and he built the ark. He trusted God and did it. He was obedient to God's word. Even though everything around him made him think, yeah, this is probably kind of stupid, like everybody's making fun of me, like there's no rain, there's no arks ever been built before, there's never been judgment before, the circumstances say don't do this. But by faith, he listened to God, not his circumstances, and he built the ark. Example two, Abraham in verse 17. We see this exact same concept there. This one's referencing Genesis 22 is where we see the sacrifice of Isaac. God said, okay, I gave you a promised son. Your line's going to come from Isaac, not Ishmael, but Isaac is the promised son. So grab him, go up to the mountain. I want you to sacrifice him to me. And so Abraham trusted God's word the outcome of sacrificing Isaac seemed to be pretty dire, right? Of course, he's killing his own son, which is bad enough, but also he ends God's promises. It's by Abraham's hand that God would not fulfill his promises to Abraham if he killed Isaac. And so, regardless of the outcome, regardless of the circumstances, Abraham took Isaac, they went up on the mountain, and Abraham raised up the knife over his son as the angel stopped him and showed him the ram caught in the bushes. Why would Abraham do such a thing, right? Because he believed God's word was right. When God told him, sacrifice your son, ignoring the circumstances around it, Abraham trusted in God through his word he knew god was right he knew god speaks the truth if isaac is going to be my heir then i guess as hebrews 11:19 says god is going to raise him back from the dead to continue my line forward into history so by faith abraham acted upon god's word he trusted in god's promise he trusted in god's command even though the circumstances you know, killing his own son would seemingly end other promises of God. He knew God would not lie to him, so he acted on God's word in faith. So with just those two examples, I think that establishes kind of this definition, that faith acts on God's word regardless of the circumstances or the outcome of it i could argue farther but i want to now bring this down to where we live right the point of this chapter the reason the author of hebrews puts it in here is so we can illustrate and explain and encourage faith in the people reading this letter and that's what i want to do for the rest of our time together i think we still maybe have a misunderstanding of how faith works so i want to clarify it illustrate it, and encourage us to act by faith in our lives. Because here, here's the way it works. I think most of us would say, if God spoke to me from heaven and he told me to build a boat, I would go out, I'd get my gopher wood, hopefully Lowe's sells it, and like, I would build myself a boat. If God told us to sacrifice our children, it would be a lot more difficult than building an ark. But if we were confident that God spoke to heaven to us, we would obey by faith. But the, if, the difficulty comes when we, when we remember our theology as a whole and apply it to faith. Because how many of us have audibly been commanded by God to do something that does not make sense to us? If God's not speaking from heaven like he did to Noah, like we, he did to Abraham how do we act by faith right how do we act by faith in the particulars of our lives because we, we need to remember what we believe about god speaking about revelation so so teens you guys and jeremy over there you, we already talked about this a little bit the last couple weeks and youth group, but just to get everybody else up to speed we know that long ago in many ways, and then many times, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. That's Hebrews 1.1. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. So God, you know, in the Old Testament, spoke in lots of different ways through direct revelation to people. He spoke to the prophets. He spoke in dreams. He, he had this audible conversation face-to-face with Moses. And all of that speaking culminated. It was pointing to a point where God would speak definitively to us Through sending his son incarnate in the flesh. Jesus is a definitive word of God. And now, God has inscripturated all of his words. That means he's put them in the Bible. After God kind of climaxed his speaking, he has given us his Bible as his word. Which means... He doesn't speak through prophets anymore, living prophets. He speaks through these prophets. He doesn't speak through dreams. He doesn't speak to us like he would to Abraham or to Moses. We live in a different period of history. Um, why we should believe it is a different lesson for a different time. I'm just going to give you this doctrine and trust that you you believe it. Um, that God chooses to only speak in an authoritative way through his scriptures. We know this from places like 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. His promises, his word, what the faith is based on, his promises. Which means, as theologian Wayne Grudem would write, nothing is required of us by God that is not not in Scripture either explicitly or by implication. So God doesn't command you to do anything that's outside of what he commands in Scripture, either directly or by implication, meaning God commands me I don't know. Don't get drunk on wine. You're know, like, well, the good thing I like beer. No, that's not the point. The point is, you know, don't get drunk. As explicit implication would be, don't get drunk on anything. Um, or to quote uh, Pastor Kevin DeYoung, apart from the Spirit working through the Scriptures, God does not promise any means to guide us, nor should we expect Him to. And so here's where I think we go off the rails a little bit, right? We have this language of calling that we like to use. God called Dan and Christy to Union Lake. And we take this idea of calling and make it these red leather gospel truths that if you feel called to something, then it has to be true. Moving here was an act of faith because God said to Dan and Christy, hey, you need to come to Union Lake. In the same way that he said to Noah to build an ark or to Abraham to sacrifice his son, to fail to obey God's speaking through a calling, we often think would be sinful. In the same way it would be sinful for Noah not to build the ark. We, we believe that if you feel called to do something and you have a peace about it, then it must be God. Kind of the same way that David felt called to build God a temple, he had a peace about it. He went to his pastor, Nathan, And he said, hey, should I build God a temple? Absolutely, you should build God a temple. Until God spoke to Nathan that night and said, do not let David build me a temple. He has shed too much blood. I don't need a temple. I never asked for a temple. His son can build me a house. But right now, I'm going to build David a house instead. So Nathan went back to David, hey, even though you want to do this, it's a good desire. Even though you felt at peace about it, even though it was a right thing to do, don't Act upon your felt calling, right? This isn't the way that God commands us. This isn't the way that we act by faith, by seeking out some, you know, ethereal, nondescript calling. Faith, like Wayne Grudem said, is based on explicit or implicit commands in the Bible. So then the things that we would often call faith, what do we do with them? if God never commanded me to come to Union Lake what do we do with things like Christy and I leaving Louisville coming to Union Lake rather we need to have a category of wisdom where we can take big decisions like this and plop them down in the bucket of wisdom is going to Union Lake a moral thing to do yeah it's nothing sinful about it do you want to do it yeah we like it up here does it seem like a good idea Yeah, seems like a good idea. Then go ahead, move to commerce. Would God be glorified if he passed through in Kentucky? I think so, yeah. Would you benefit the church there? Sure. Would it be good and right and morally okay to move to northern Kentucky? Absolutely. There's no, you know, sin in living in Kentucky. So if you have two good options like we did... We picked the one that seemed best, the one that we wanted, right? We liked the weather here. We visited in June. It was beautiful. It was 100 degrees and humid in Louisville. It was like 70 and perfect here. We learned that's not the case all the time, but, you know, it's a good strategy. We we had options here of where we could buy groceries. Small town Kentucky, you have Kroger. Here we can go to Aldi. There's competition. Prices go down. That's nice. I like not being the only guy on staff. That's not fair faith that's just the basics of living your life right we made a decision we're not following the example of Noah or Abraham here we weren't ever commanded by God hey you must go to Michigan we had no assurance that this would be a good move like it may have been a terrible thing to do but in the wisdom that God had given us we decided to do it and here I am right if we're going to call something faith, we need to be able to say, what is our faith based on, right? Was move, why was moving here an act of faith? Because God said, what? What, what? what promises, what word would that faith be based on? Go to commerce. That's not anywhere in the Bible. I'll never let you make a wrong decision. Nope, happens all the time through scripture. I'll give you an inner peace about the right thing to do. Nope, we don't see that one in Scripture. We have nothing to base our faith on, so let's not call this faith. Let's call this we're making a choice based on the wisdom God has given us. The decision and the consequences are completely on us. We did what we wanted. We took what we had. We looked at it, and this seemed best at the time, so we acted toward it. Um, We did what was best in the wisdom that God has given us. And I think a lot of times we want to call this faith because moving away from Chrissy's family was hard. We were close to family there. We're not here. And it's a lot easier to say, hey, God's calling us to Michigan. We have to go because then if they get mad, they're mad at God, not at me. But, you know, maybe God was calling us to northern Kentucky, actually closer to my niece and nephew than we were in in Louisville. Maybe that's what God was calling us to do. Let's not blame our poor decisions on God when we don't actually have a promise, a word from God to act upon. That being said, moving here was a huge act of faith. But let's define faith in a biblical kind of way. In Louisville, we had secure jobs that we were good at, that we enjoyed. Here, We had a brand-new job that I didn't know if I would be good at or enjoy, and Christy had no job. There we had beloved family and friends. Here we knew nobody. There we had a church family who knew us, who loved us, who invested in us, and us to them. Here we knew there was a church. That's about it. We had a place to live there. We loved our apartment. Here we had no place to live, but we read things like Matthew 8, 28 through 18. Matthew twenty eight eighteen through twenty. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold I am with you always to the end of the age. So by faith, we know God is passionate about disciple-making. Wherever we end up, when we're considering things with wisdom, we have to have God's passion for disciple-making in that equation. We know that by faith, by trusting his word. We also know, even if we go to the ends of the earth, that God's not going to abandon us, that God's not limits. Behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, even to the end of the earth, which, of course, this was spoken in Jerusalem, so louisville northern kentucky michigan are all kind of ends of the earth it's not like oh go to the ends of the earth as far away as possible is what the scripture commands that's not going to work or we read luke eighteen twenty-eight through 30 and peter said see we have left our homes and followed you and he jesus said to them truly i say to you There is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who would not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. It's hard to leave what you know. You know it is. But we took this promise and believed it like it was true, that whatever we left, it would not be about losing. It would be gain if we left it to follow Christ, to, to... to care and work for the kingdom of God. Or we read 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Based on the circumstances surrounding us, I need to work hard, figure everything out, connive, manipulate, make sure all of my T's are crossed and my I's are dotted. I have to carry every single burden and anxiety of this decision. Or by faith, I can humble myself, which means saying I don't have to figure all of this out. I can cast this on the Lord and I can trust him. Even if I don't know all the details, he can carry my burdens for me. And so based on these commands, these truths, these promises, these priorities, these these things from God's word, our eyes of wisdom shifted. We didn't just have an earthly wisdom based on, you know, what might be the the circumstances, I don't know where it is, of our decision or the outcome of it. But we thought, okay, by faith, we need to think with a a God-centered wisdom, a biblically informed wisdom. We don't just act on our own desires, but also on God's revealed desires, his truth, our faith in him, the promises and the priorities that he has. And then we choose based on that. So faith did play a role all throughout this decision. But again, we can't just say we move to commerce by faith as if we knew God wanted us here and to disobey would be sin. Rather, we knew what God had commanded us in Scripture And moving here was one way that we could act by faith. Continuing to work in Louisville and serve the church there is another way we could act by faith. Moving to northern Kentucky and becoming the senior pastor of that small church was a third way we could act by faith. Those are all legitimate options of how we act by faith. Deuteronomy 29.29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed to us belong to us and our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. We don't act by faith based on God's secret things, the things he has not revealed to us, the things that he has not told us. Those things belong to God, Deuteronomy says. We act upon what he has revealed to us, what he has given to us in his law, in his scriptures, right? We act by, in faith by obeying him. It takes faith. Faith operates in this category of the things that are revealed to us, not the things that are kept secret, like whether we should live in Kentucky or Michigan. Those are secret things. The things that are revealed is what we act by faith with. So to bring back the analogy from last week, faith isn't just this crowbar that lets you pry into the vault of God's secret will. Hey, I don't know what God wants me to do here, but by faith, I'm moving to commerce. No, faith is the key that unlocks the doors that God has given to us, the specific doors of obedience, whatever that might look like. You know, we don't have these individual revelations from God like Noah did, build an ark like Abraham did, sacrifice your son. So we act by faith on what is revealed. So what's that going to look like? We have four minutes we can do this faith in our lives is probably not going to be glamorous right it's not going to look like building arts rather it's going to look like everyday simple obedience to what God has called us to do specific things God has told us to do so let's get really nuts and bolts kind of real life here if faith isn't acting on what we feel God's secret will is Rather, it's acting on what God has revealed for us. That is, faith is a confident assurance in God based on his promises, seeking God's promised good, as we talked about last week. What's it going to look like? What does it look, to, look like to carry this out? So uh, let, me, let me do this. I'm going to tell you, so far in the book of Hebrews, here's what we've been commanded to do obeying these commands is going to be faith. If you want to be a faithful person based on the book of Hebrews so far, obey these in whatever way it's going to work out for you. That's your job is to figure out, okay, I want to be a person of faith. Apparently, I don't need to cross a Red Sea or sacrifice a son to do that. I need to obey what God has told me to do. So your job then is to figure out, okay, what does it look like to obey these things? So I have... 12 of these. I'm going fast through them. If you're jotting them down, just go back on the website tomorrow. This will be up. But here's what God has called us to do by faith. If we want to be people of faith, like those in Hebrews 11, here's what you need to do. Pay closer attention to the gospel that you have heard so that you don't drift away from it. It's chapter 2, verse 1. Consider Christ's faithfulness to the Father. 3, verse 1. Take care that you don't have an evil and unbelieving heart, 3.12. Exhort one another so that they don't have an evil, unbelieving heart, 3.13. Fear so that you don't fail to enter into God's rest, 4.1. Strive to enter into that rest, 4.11. Hold fast to your confession that you've made of Christ. That's 4.14. We see it again in 10.23. Draw near to God with confidence so that you may find mercy and grace in times of need. 4.26. Growing Christian maturity, moving beyond elementary doctrines. one. Draw near to God. 10.22. Consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, which is necessarily going to involve being with one another to do that. 10.24. And recall the joy that you had in your early sufferings as a Christian. 10.32. If we want to be people of faith like Abraham or Noah, or Jacob, or whoever we see in this list of Hebrews 11, they acted in obedience to what God specifically told them to do, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of their perceived outcome. If we want to do the same, we have to do the same exact thing, right? We act on what God has told us. These 12 things from the book of Hebrews, you know, we could go through a different book and make a lot longer of a list. When we do that, it's not going to be this world-shaking kind of idealistic, wow, he moved across the country out of faith. Maybe it will be. Maybe it means you, you know, do dishes well while on the phone with a friend encouraging them in the faith. I don't know what it's going to be for you. But faith obeys God's word. That's how it looks in Hebrews chapter 11. Faith acts on God's word regardless of the circumstances or the perceived outcome. So let me pray for us.